At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. Your local, the everything you need to be unstoppable store. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. The UPS store locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours may vary. See center for details. Here we go, here we go. We're back at it. Homegrown Radio. Chuck Dingle. DJ Head. Now, uh, we have somebody in the in the building with us right now. And I, I, I love uh, one of the things that I heard you mention. And it, it, it's kind of going to set the tone for the conversation that we have today. All right, you said okay. you have a passion for bringing people with problems to a solution. All right, and That's we right. got a whole lot of problems. <laughs> we need a whole lot of solutions. We got Dr. Kanisha Hall joining the Homegrown Radio Show. We appreciate you checking in, Doctor. Well, thank you for having me. I hope I can bring some solutions to your problems. Oh, you about to bring a whole lot of value. I want to say, I, I just want to say that uh, I remember, I, I think I first, my, I first encountered you on Clubhouse and I heard you speaking. <laughs> Don't tell everybody. You ain't about to say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not going to talk about that room. I'm okay. talking about the other room. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, the yeah. other room. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I heard you speaking in the other room and you, you were in there going toe to toe with other other uh you know medical professionals and i and i you stood out to me because one you know obviously you're a woman of color you're a black woman but you, you stood your ground and you weren't afraid to go and 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 provide insight in in the face of adversity so that's kind of why i think i reached out I, I think i told you in the room like would you be interested in coming on the show and speaking um because i loved your perspective and the things that you had to say especially involving the COVID shit. we'll get to that but um I just wanted to say introduce you in that way because you know obviously our listeners are going to be watching this and listening to this and i wanted them to provide them with the same insight that i had most definitely before i was a doctor i was a black woman and i'm somebody's daughter i'm somebody's mother i'm somebody's sister family member and friend and a great deal of my obligation in my profession is to take care of those that look like me it doesn't mean that I take care of any of my patients less, but that's my passion is providing care to those who have been kept from care and disenfranchised for so long. So I definitely feel my obligation to the culture, but I will not lose my voice behind some degree. I can't do that. My mom is sitting in my living room as we speak and I, I live and breathe every day to make her proud. Mm. Okay. Now, now, can you give people just a rundown? I mean, just so so they know you're qualified to have this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the the lab coat looks amazing, and I see. You. <laughs> That's not a lab coat. I mean, no, no, I'm sorry. It actually is. Now, please correct. Just, it's a I was about to. Hey, you see how much they know? Yeah. Oh, That's why you need to. That's why you need to help us out because we don't know the difference between a lab coat. We don't. Whatever, so. <laughs> Break down so, your, your resume for the people that are listening. So, yes, I'm a board-certified anesthesiologist called to work on the front lines during this COVID. I've taken care of the sickest of the sick. 
Um, I am also an addiction medicine doctor. I'm a proud graduate of Howard University College of Medicine. I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry. I have more than two decades of experience in research. I am a published scientific writer as well as a published author. I sit on the board of Howard University Medical Alumni Association, also as well as Liberty Medical Center here in Dallas, Texas area. I this I live and breathe science and medicine. So yeah, Was I think I'm pretty qualified. I know you, you're more than qualified. I just wanted to do it for the. <laughs> Thank not, you for talking to yeah, us. Not not <laughs> not only the naysayers, but for the people that you know would, would would hear the long list of accomplishments that you had that you have and continue will uh, continue to have. Uh, when you list that out, does it? For you, does it does it get uh, exhausting, or, or do you have a sense of pride every time you have to when people ask you to kind it, of give your introduction? It's not. It, it's all in perspective. It can be exhausting to and daunting to think about just because of the color of my skin and the fact that I have a uterus and ovaries that I have to. I constantly have to give people my qualifications, whereas I could be a paid actor in white skin with a penis and people would assume that I'm an authority. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I won't get tired. I won't get weary in well-doing. Like, I I stay in trouble. My mouth gets me in trouble often. I call it good trouble. So I don't have a problem listing my accolades. I'm proud of myself. I hope that I am doing my ancestors proud. But it is daunting to think about the fact that I do have to list my qualifications and accomplishments when I know that my other counterparts, um, not even my counterparts, I know that there are others who are nowhere near as qualified who can just sit and speak and be felt to be an authority just because of their melanin-deprived skin um, and their XY chromosomes. I, I love when you when you open up and you said that before I was a doctor, I was a black woman because you know obviously we all have relatives and I have a mother and and whatnot. But what made you want to go? I know you have a fam a long lineage in, in your family as far as being in the medical you know profession. But what specifically made you? want to go down that path just briefly um well i'm not the typical person that you know ever since i was five i wanted to be a doctor um it was actually traveling abroad when i decided to apply for medical school i was on a research fellowship um in japan and just seeing a japanese doctor taking care of other japanese people and believing that my community deserved that I like that. Um, when you went, did, obviously, when you were there, did you did you ever see like, you know how like they say, they say like our community needs to govern itself and, and whatnot as far as when it comes to the police brutality and, and stuff like that. Is that sentiment shared in the medical f- uh, field beyond yourself? Like do your constituents, do your colleagues feel the same way that you do as far as taking care of their own? It's not it's not even just a feeling. It's been proven that black people who have black healthcare professionals, black nurses, black doctors have better outcomes. It's proven. There's been actually very large studies, very research, various research um, studies that have proven that, you know, minorities that are taken care of by minority physicians have better outcomes, better um, quality of life um, and ultimately better care. 
Got you. Um, now I want to get into as far as an anesthesiologist, like <laughs> it took me a long time to say that word. I just want to I just want to say that <laughs> I was practicing in the mirror. But <laughs> but um being an anesthesiologist, like you know, we hear the stories like somebody went to sleep, they didn't wake up, or you know, the laughing gas stories and stuff like that. Um is, is People that, watch that, Grey's Anatomy. That's it's not real. It's not real. None of that stuff is real. It, I mean, because I think I think it's not that it's okay. Let me say this: it's okay, not that it's not real. It it's just like anything. Like a lot of things are sensationalized. A lot of what I remember before my first time ever visiting New York City. All I remember of you know, all I wanted to see of New York City is everything that I would see in the movies, which is what Times Square. How much of New York City is actually Times Square, though. Very small. Right. Exactly. So there are, you do enough of this. And of course, there are mistakes, nothing that has happened on my watch. But that is actually so little of what I do. The majority of my practice for anesthesiology actually happens on labor and delivery where women are having babies. Mm. Um, I'm the one that does the epidurals uh, or spinal anesthesia for the C-section or puts them to sleep for emergency C-section. Like I'm a part of the care team on labor and delivery, which has become national news. It's where Black women have um, a seven times greater risk of having complications or even you know, fatality or death in trying to bring life into this world. So imagine how my sisters feel when they're in labor and delivery and they look up and they see somebody that looks like them. Right. I wouldn't trade that feeling for anything in the world. Do you feel, do, obviously that's a fact as far as, you know, uh, Black women having, you know, the highest mortality rate when it comes to giving birth. What is there a reason behind that scientifically or... It's, I mean, there's no one in one reason in particular, but a lot of that comes to implicit bias in healthcare. Like Black women are thought by healthcare professionals to be able to deal with pain. So they're often undermanaged, overlooked, and undercared for because healthcare providers look at the Black woman's body, which has been sacrificed and abused over decades and for so long, and just believe that they can endure it, they'll be all right. And that's just not the case. I, I want you to speak on, on being on the front lines. You, you mentioned it a second ago. It's like, just it's, the, the world has been dealing with this pandemic, but you've seen it through different lens, you know? And I know so, yeah. yeah, yeah. During the beginning of this pandemic, um, this virus being one that attacks your respiratory system. Uh, uh, anesthesiologists, because we do um, put people to sleep and we actually intubate. That's when we put the tube, the breathing tube in your lungs to put you on mechanical ventilation or life support because that's part of our daily practice outside of a pandemic. Just normally, that's just what we do we were thought to be the most experienced at it. Thus, we were called to do that as part of the medical management for the sickest patients is to initiate their life support and intubate and breathe for them. Because if we do it all the time, it would 
decrease the risk of exposure to all the other healthcare workers because we're not sitting there trying to do it like this is what we do every day. We do it and we get the job done. So you want experience, they wanted experienced hands at the bedside to initiate life support to intubate these patients to risk to decrease the risk of exposure to all the other healthcare workers. So that was our initial role in the pandemic. And as healthcare workers begin to get sick, we have been called upon to manage, you know, patients in the IC, like to beyond our roles outside of the operating room, but to manage patients in critical care units in the ICU and those that require um, mechanical ventilation. So yeah, it's been it's been rough. So so for you, you you're seeing this front line. You're seeing everything day to day. How do you now explain that to people? Because I'll be quite honest, there's people that we talk to on the radio that still don't believe. They they're still like, oh, it's it's just the media hyping this up. You know, all oh, the five hundred thousand deaths said they were already sick anyway, and just things of that nature. So from somebody that actually sees it on a day to day basis, how do you respond to that? I mean, the only thing I can do is respond with my truth. Like, even beyond the hospital and the medical jargon, I really try to connect with people because I have to leave work. I have to come home. So I would try to tell my story from when I leave that job, knowing that I have seen both life and death. And even I remember the first time I had to intubate a person that was not known as well as known to have COVID, thinking to myself, I have to leave this hospital and return home. And I don't want to take whatever I might have been exposed to home Mm -hmm. to my, I'm in a multi-generational household. I have my mother here who is older and has her own risk factor. And I have a five-year-old daughter, three generations of women here. And there is no way that I would ever want to expose them to a deadly virus. So whether you believe it for yourself or not, like whether you believe it or not, you have to take some responsibility in not wanting to give this to anybody that you love. Is it true? Is it true that COVID affects the black community more so than any other community scientifically? Um, It has been shown that we are having poor outcomes and it's not just COVID. So what COVID has done is shine like this big, beautiful ring light. It's just shining a light on what we already knew is that this healthcare system was built for two houses and it wasn't built for us. There's a healthcare system for America and there's a healthcare system for the black community. And it wasn't built for the it wasn't built for the black community. Just like, you know, black patients who are diagnosed later with poor outcomes for all different types of cancer, it's it's absolutely no different. It's the fact that black communities don't have access to text uh, testing. Black communities don't have access to healthcare in general. Black communities start out in poor health because we can't afford the medications and there aren't, you know, premier health systems and doctor's office in, in the hood. So we already started out a quarter of a mile behind in a foot race. So you have this pandemic, which is affecting everyone, but of course it's affecting us worse because 
we didn't start off at the finish. Uh, we didn't start off at the starting line. When you, when people say um, like as far as like, so you're saying that that the conditions are what make it more effective towards the black community, not necessarily the virus itself. I mean, the virus. I, no, it's not necessarily the virus itself. It's that we're already starting out at a disadvantage, and we're not doing anything to correct that huge gap of a disadvantage. Like, okay, so what makes you at increased risk for complications from coronavirus? Pre-existing disease. Yep, diabetes. Diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, high cholesterol. Don't that sound like all of our aunties, uncles, and grandparents? I'll tell you just name my uncles and yeah, my mom. My mom has diabetes, so that's why I have. I've seen my mom four times in one year, and I used to go like every other weekend to go to go, go to her house and see her, but I don't go because I, you know she has she's diabetic, so I try to you know stay away. So, um, I know people are going to be triggered by this name, but Karen that lives in the suburbs, she mm-hmm. has a primary care physician. She has a dermatologist um, for her wrinkles. She has an OBGYN. She has every specialist you could name to suit her needs and keep her in optimum health. Um, My aunt, Betty Ann, I have to beg her to go to the doctor because it's a hassle for her to go to the doctor because it's not a doctor's office. It's a clinic where she feels like she's one in a thousand. Her wait for most of her appointments are two plus hours. I ask her, she has diabetes. I ask her what her hemoglobin A1C is. She has no, I, no one has even thought to explain this to her. She's never seen a dietitian to talk to her about, you know, what, what turns into sugar in her body. She thinks if she avoids sweets, but if she eats rice and gravy with every meal, it's fine because no one explained to her that starches turn the sugar in the body and affect her diabetes as well. So it's, it's an education. It's an access point. It's treating and access to the treatment, the medicines, the counseling, the information, even in itself. Again, all of this is describing how this is the starting line when it comes to coronavirus. And you got black people still all the way back here because we're still just dealing with being healthy. And another conversation that needs to be had is that living while black in America causes stress within itself and what stress in itself does to the body. So again, this is the starting line. We still all the way back here and we can't even address these issues to get to the starting line because everybody now is talking about COVID. Right. So one, one of the things that I felt like that, that's interesting within all this is, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talking about holistic treatment or, or at least eating right. You know what I mean? That that can help out. If you don't want to go to the doctor, which a lot of people are, are either mm-hmm. afraid or just don't have the information or, what have you? Um, what's stopping people from actually just saying, okay, well, you know what? I don't want to go to a doctor. I may not have access to it, but I know, you know, if I eat correctly, this can help us out. And, and we're not even ready to have that conversation. We're not ready to kind of take those steps as well. What do you feel like is the first step in terms of getting us access to the correct information and getting us 
level-minded to add, you know, either when it comes to the food or making sure that we're seeing the right doctors or just that. I feel like the information is so pivotal, but um, we're just not there yet. That makes sense. Well, conversations just like this, like I'm, I don't want to call myself the neighborhood physician, but I really, really am. Like, I think that there, there is a disconnect that I'm willing to admit, and this is a family reunion, a community conversation. There begins to be a disconnect with Black doctors because I'm a doctor that believes in everything you're talking about as far as holistic medicine. Like, I want to treat the entire patient. So I do talks at church. I meet Black people at church because that's a great place to get message across. I will talk to people in the hair salon, the barbershop, and the grocery store. If I have been blessed to walk my journey and become the doctor that I am. I can't forget where I came from and I got to go back there. Imagine if Harriet Tubman never went back. Oh, right. And so I I don't want to say big, but I feel like half the time I am is sometimes we got to relax with all the scientific jargon and our putting on airs and speech and have real live conversations with our family, mm-hmm. with our community. And it's not all about the interview on CNN with Sanjay Gupta. There should be more interviews like this that are taking place on hip hop radio, talk radio, black media and urban networks that are going to get the message to our people when it comes to overall health. I mean, you asked me to come on here and talk about COVID and coronavirus, but I already had it set in my mind that I was going to talk about things that are plaguing our community. Like we have stigmas when it comes to mental health. We definitely need to eat and educate ourselves better. And we get on these fads of, I mean, of course, there has been a light that's been shined on Dr. CB and I don't knock anything that he says, but read a book, pick up a book and learn something. Don't wait for the movie to come out. Mm-hmm. Like learn something now about what's good about what you're putting into your body. And um, also I'm a medical doctor. I have great friends that are naturalist doctors that are herbalists, that are dietitian. We're out there and they're in the community and they're on social media. Like just as many people are sliding into my DMs talking about demon time Ask me a question. I'm extremely, <laughs> I'm extremely accessible. And I know that there are a lot of Black physicians that are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook that, that welcome the conversation. And, and that's what I also tell the community. Don't put all of the onus on us. Like, you will never go back and tell my mom I was rude to you and wouldn't talk to you. Like, there are some things that I cannot answer, but I, I, I tried my best to make myself accessible but just as much as we want to like learn the latest dance move and gossip we got to take an initiative to educate ourselves about what's good for our bodies and good for our health i I got a real quick question about um this one kind of hits home because like when you talk about the the pre-existing conditions we we talked about oh that sounds like my uncle that sounds like it kind of hits home for my mom too my mom and, and and my stepdad who um, both have, you know, had COVID, they're they're okay now, but it just exposed that, you know, there's some things that they got to take care of, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the main things I told them is like, 
you got to get up and start exercising more. You got to yes. right. And I swear I have this battle with them and they, they, in their mind, they know it, but the next, Hey, you want something from McDonald's? No, I don't want nothing from McDonald's. Hey, oh, uh, we're going to go over here to grab this. And I feel like I have this. At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS. Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. Your local, the everything you need to be unstoppable store. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. The UPS store locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours may vary. See center for details. This conversation of stop drinking. So just all of these things as far as eating right. And it's a mm -hmm. battle. They know it. But I think part of their mentality is, well, I've been living 60 something years, 70 years. I, I don't want to give it up now. You know, if if, if I that's have more years, too. Um, was it? What did they say? More years behind me than ahead. Behind me than ahead. That I want to go out enjoying what I'm eating. You know, and unfortunately, these are the foods and, and, and the things that they're doing. They're not taking care of themselves. So, how can I have that conversation with them? When I know they're smart enough to receive the information, but mm -hmm. they don't want to actually do what it takes to get up and walk around the neighborhood, or you know, cut cut back on the sodas. I'm not saying maybe remove it completely, but you know, that that can help out. Okay. Do you have kids? Yes, I have a son. So my daughter can get my mom to do things that I have been begging her to do for decades. He was okay. the kid. He was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's about to be three. So I got I to start teaching him some words like, well, yeah, like, got, yeah, like, yeah. come play with. And so and that's the thing. So being personal. So I have a mother that's in her 60s. Um, she actually just had um, a knee replacement and I'm so proud of her. And I, she's been needing a knee replacement going on seven years. My daughter is five and I honestly feel like she did it for her more than she ever would have done it for me. Wow. And I, I use my daughter all the time. I'm like, go, go ask Nana if she want to go ride bikes. Go ask Nana if she want to go walk. So and they, they're not going to do it for themselves. They've been sacrificing their entire life. They're not going to do it for you either. They gave you enough. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't sacrifice their whole entire life to get you grown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they will do anything for those grandbabies. But um, for those who are not lucky enough to have children to manipulate their parents, <laughs> um, but just tell them it's not just the quantity of years in front of you, it's the quality of years. Like, I don't want to see my mom as an amputee, a bilateral amputee, like, you know, grandma from soul food. I don't want her to lose a limb behind diabetes. Like, I want you to have a great quality of life. And nor do I expect, you know, 60 years of bad habits to disappear overnight. Like you set goals one at a time. Like maybe she's not gonna, you know, stop eating at McDonald's, but let's do let's do one thing that's gonna help her feel good and go from there. If you can get her to walk the block, the neighborhood, do some form of exercise for 15 to 20 minutes a day, that is uh that is a goal. And you gotta build upon that. Because the like I said, it's been this is the thing. As Black people for so long, we have just been surviving. And that's our mindset. We just want to survive. Yep. And what you're talking about is thriving. Mm -hmm. So to change an entire mindset from surviving, like literally 
bare knuckle surviving. I don't know how old your mom is, but when I think about my mom and what she's seen and what she's been through, like that's hard to go from surviving to literally thriving and thinking about enjoying the fruits of life. It's hard. All right, that down. My my mom is from Tallulah, Louisiana, small town. What? I'm born and raised from my mama from Taylortown, Louisiana. I oh, know she can cook. Exactly, man. So, <laughs> that, that mentality is there. She's a Southern girl, moved out here. She has a survival story. So, what you're saying, I, I don't think you realize how much that's. I'm getting goosebumps now. That's that's impacting because I know, I know now what to do. To, to just, I, I think on my end, I think I've been trying to give her too much. Like, you need to do this, 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 this. And for her, it's like, yo, I, stop, stop with all that. And she's resisting and she, you know, she'll hear it, but it just goes through one ear and out the other. But, you know, building on, on one thing at a time and, and using a kid, that really, really resonates. Now, yeah, I'm telling you, them grandbabies are little gifts from God. You can get all kinds of things done. <laughs> now, now, I do want to make sure we, we touch on vaccines too. All right. Oh goodness. That, yeah, that, that's the conversation that yeah. we have with listeners all the time. And we have it. We have people call in, and you have it's the it's it's literally up the middle, especially for black and brown people. Mm-hmm. Black and brown people, it's like you got obviously white people who are like, yeah, sign up, get your vaccine, you know, and then the black and brown people are like, hold up, wait. nah, like I'm with, get that third round. Yeah, that, I mean, I, obviously, I don't know as a medical professional, you probably have already had it, the vaccine. I have not had um, the vaccine. Um, can you open up on that? Like, is that a choice of yours? Sure. Um, so, yes, of course, I do have access to um, both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine. Um, the Johnson & Johnson has not been cleared for emergency use um, authorization. Um and there's other vaccines out there as far as like Novavax. Um, however, so I try to break this down because I'm a multifaceted person. So first, I'm a black woman. There's always going to be some hesitancy um, because there is just culturally, I, I work as a doctor in a system that has done absolutely nothing to gain my trust. And I don't like it when we push this narrative of, oh, Black people are hesitant or Black people aren't doing their part or Black people just need to shut up and take the vaccine that the good government is giving them. No, the narrative is, is that healthcare, the scientific community has misused Black people from Henrietta Lacks, to just recently, you know, illegally sterilizing women in um, custody, you know, uh, for immigration. Like they have done absolutely nothing to gain my trust. I, like I said, I work every single day in a healthcare system where I see bias every single day. I see the difference in how Black people are treated in my own hospitals and in my own like facilities where I am constantly battling and fighting with my voice to be like, this is wrong. So don't tell me that it's my fault that you've treated me bad. Mm -hmm. It's never the bank's fault that they got robbed. 
So don't sit here and tell me that it's my fault that I don't trust you. You've never given me a reason to trust you. That's one issue. Um, but in particularly, um, as a scientist, I'm just going to say it. The first study by Pfizer as a scientist, and I don't care who disagrees with me, and I'd love to go toe-to-toe with the best of them, the study was trash. They didn't test titers, which is the level of antibodies that are created by the vaccine. Ah. Actually, in the Pfizer study here in Houston, is just a couple of blocks away from my surgery center office. The study itself was trash. So I'm not going to advocate for them. The Moderna study, which was designed by a Black woman, was eons better and more controlled. Titers were tested. If I had to choose between the two vaccines, I definitely would have chosen to get the Moderna because it was a better design study. But this is my thing. So the efficacy rates that they keep talking about. I'm so sorry. The efficacy rates that they keep talking about with these vaccines is the ability of these vaccines to produce antibodies in your system that give you you know, that are supposed to give you immunity. However, we don't exactly know the quantity of antibodies needed for immunity. We know that there are numbers of antibodies that neutralize the virus. Um, But I have been tested more than 30, I think I'm uh, 39 times. I've been tested for antibodies and I've been tested for COVID. I've never had COVID. I don't have antibodies to COVID because I haven't been exposed to it because I wear my mask. I take ultimate precautions and that has worked for me. That's kept me safe and it's kept my family safe. So I'm more likely to trust the process that has kept me safe for more than a year now than to deal with a lot of the unknown risk of this vaccine. And of course we can say that it's safe for now, but long-term we don't know because this virus has only been around for the year, a year and the vaccines have only been around for a few months. I have inquired and in due diligence, I have inquired to both um, Moderna and Pfizer and asked them, okay, you've been issuing these shots for months. I want to know how many people have died after the vaccine related or not related to the vaccine. And I want to know how many people after getting both shots of each vaccine have still gone on to contract COVID and have been hospitalized for COVID died from COVID or had any other complications, even not from COVID. There has to be follow-up information. This is the information that I need to make an educated decision. That's what I do. I'm a physician. I'm a scientist. In order for me to give recommendations to my patient population, I need information. And I don't like the lack of information. To me, it seems more like a marketed push than real information. You can't tell me you don't have the information. Like I said, you've given how many, we're up to close to, I don't know, millions and millions of doses you have out there and you've been doing this for months and you don't have any follow-up information for people to make educated decisions. So that's where I stand. 
So the people are just kind of, I mean, I didn't know that there was no follow-up after the fact. So people are just pulling up, like, I, like there's a mass vaccination, there's a mass vaccination site out here at Dodger Stadium. They transferred it from testing to vaccination. I'm sure they've done that pretty much everywhere across the country. But so I didn't know that they was like that. So people just pull up, they get vaccinated and they just go home and nobody like follows up. There's no... No, I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure that there there's records being kept. Oh, just but, not made public. But that it's not been released. Right. So if I had this information and I felt that there was some sense of transparency, I would definitely be more likely to participate in the process. But I don't. I don't. I'm not going to participate in a process that I don't feel benefits me when I know that me wearing my mask, me doing what I'm supposed to do, um, and also like I'm I'm a homebody. It doesn't bother me, and, and I, I don't minimize the I the feelings of isolation, depression, and you know negative feelings that people are having. You know, having to stay apart from their loved ones. Like I definitely miss my family in Louisiana and in Michigan that I have not been able to see. I have unfortunately had to miss funerals. Like I'm human. I've lost, I don't want to say I've lost count. I've lost so many, I've lost dozens of family members in this pandemic. So that's not the case, but I also have my own personal medical history. Um, that I had a conversation with my physician who is also a black physician, another black woman who shares my concerns. And um, when I had that conversation with my own doctor, like I don't doctor on myself, I have a doctor and having my com- a conversation with my own healthcare provider, um, she shared my concerns with not knowing um, some of the risk of uh, the unknown risk associated with um, the vaccine. And I've been able to keep myself safe by double masking at time, you know, wearing my protective equipment, going to work, being safe, socially distanced and staying my butt at home. Why not continue to do what I know has kept me safe with? And the only risk factors I have for that, as you can see, is a little acne. I can treat that. <laughs> She's tired of that. Hey, let me, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Now, I was going to ask you, um, so what the hell is going on in Atlanta? Because it's just I'm not in Atlanta. I mean, okay, okay, I know that. But I'm saying like some I'm just saying like okay, I'm not even gonna say just Atlanta. Miami, Atlanta. Oh, Houston too. We Houston, had a Houston. I'm, I was going to Houston. I was going to Houston, <laughs> yeah. but I, people I'm just risking it. And nothing, just, no shade to to shade Moss, but people risking their life for a little bow wow. I can't wrap my <laughs> head around that. One. I, I I'm just saying, like, I saw, I'm seeing footage of day parties and and clubs, yeah. and and uh-huh. and I'm just like, in in LA, we it's shut down. Yeah, it's not like that. So I'm just like, what well, is you know what? The South? Come on, come on down here. I'll take you to the turkey leg cut tomorrow. Come on. Is it? Is I don't it? Know. I don't know. Because I I know I I'm I'm not familiar with what what herd immunity is. I know I have the idea of it, but okay. So herd immunity is when you have enough people who have antibodies or have immunity that it protects the majority of a population. I don't believe that we've reached herd immunity in Houston, uh, Miami, or Atlanta. I just think people are tired. I think there's quarantine fatigue. People are tired. And if 
the government allows them to do so, they will. Got you. Got you. You had to go ahead. I just I want to I want to kind of get back to the access to the information. So for people out there that are looking for you know that that want to take that next step in and, and go to the physician, go to the doctors, kind of get treated, but they want to see somebody that that looks like them. Is there a, like a, a registry or a database that or or a website that we can kind of go? There to? are there are a few databases for um a black doctor a physician there's blackdoctors.org there's health in uh your hue which is all um melanated physicians of hispanic um african-american health in her hue health in in her hue like in like the the letter or n n i n health i n n her hue um there's black and there's blackdoctors.org um there are a lot. Um, there's the, okay, so a lot of people don't know this. So the AMA is the American Medical Association, which is all the doctors in America. The N, N as in Nancy, the NMA is the National Medical Association, which is the uh, National Association of Minority Physicians. Oh, okay, okay. That, I like that. So those are definitely good places to start. Um, if you would like a Howard trained uh, doctor, we have our Howard University Medical Alumni Association, H-U-M-A-A. Great place to find a good Howard trained doctor. <laughs> I think they're the best. I'm biased. A little biased. Oh, <laughs> um, just a little bit, but we're, I, I, I mean, we are kind of awesome though. So, um, but yeah, and we're out there and there, like I said, there are a lot of us that are, you know, pretty social media savvy. Um, just like you would, you know, talk to Meg the Stallion, holler at us. Now for the folks that do want to jump in your DMs and not for the demon time, but to get more information and, you know, just reach out to you, maybe have a conversation or Most you know, <laughs> might want to argue you down for some points that you might have had on this podcast. How can they get yeah, they can get all day long. Yeah, bring it. Catch me, catch me outside. No, catch me on Clubhouse, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Oh, my Twitter feed stay popping. It's at Dr. Kanisha, D R K A N I S H A. There it is. And let me ask you. Go ahead. I want to know what room y'all was in before. Uh, anyway. I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't think it was a demon time room. But no, it I wasn't. It wasn't. It just. It, it. You know. It. It just. It. It made a hard left. You know, off the expressway. Um, what? I don't even. I don't remember what room it was in. It was a room. <laughs> it, was, it was not the moan room I no it wasn't the moan room it wasn't the moan room uh, real quick because you are you are uh, um, in Texas I just wanted to touch on that too with, with everything that was going on Let, God bless you hey, she, <laughs> don't ask the folks no I know that that's why right. I'm, that's why yeah because you posted you posted this yeah, that's, I, I love it too. you posted the PSA the rules for checking in on Texas yes and, um, but we're good. We're good. No, you can you can ask all the questions you want now. Like it was a beautiful day. Like I think I posted after this. Like, look, it's just beautiful sunshine and like they ain't try to kill us last week. Well, because it we, was rough. I've been getting, we've been getting mixed information. Some people, like I, I know some of the people that are on the front line. I'm sure you on the front mm-hmm. line. A lot of people are. But then you hear other people saying, like in Texas, saying it's not as bad as people making it seem. And I'm like, well, I made a, I made a big ass donation. Like, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean? So yeah, it's like my money back or what? 
okay, I don't know where they are. You got to understand how big Texas is, but I honestly don't believe that there was a part of Texas that wasn't affected by this. Like, I do know, of course, there were some elitist neighborhoods. Like, I have some friends that stay in downtown um, condos where they were only out of power for like four to five hours, but they were still affected by the water shortage and not being able to go to the grocery store and not having food. So, I mean, everyone has their different struggles, but I can definitely tell you it was bad. Like I was without power for more than 48 hours. Mm. Um, And then when the power did come back on, it would only come on for hours at a time and then be off for it eight to 12 to 14 hour intervals in between. And even beyond not having power, like the no running water, I was like, dude. I'm so sorry. It's all good. <laughs> I keep getting I keep getting phone calls. <laughs> but yeah, um it was it was it was definitely bad. I can definitely attest for I'm sorry. Like, did y'all already? Are we live? Like, did y'all already send out my number? Yeah, it's time. It's time. You you a couple of hours ahead of time. It must be okay. Look before before I let you go. Um, (laughs) before I let you go. Uh, Yeah, determined. What is it? Did y'all give out my number? We just gonna blow it up. You gotta just put your phone on. Do not disturb, and then it won't ring no more. I'm sorry. All right. So look, um, when it comes to when it comes to insurance, is it like is there there's a lot of like misconceptions when it comes to having health insurance, like health coverage and stuff like that, as far as people feeling like they can't go get care or care is not available for them or, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, different resources they don't have access to because they're uninsured still, even with you know, Obamacare and all these other programs that happen, is is that something, is, is there any way you can direct people where they can go to uh, either get information on how to get uh, assistance with care or something you may recommend personally? Okay, so we call it Obamacare, but it's actually Affordable Care Act. And this is something that I think that we all should be educating ourselves on. Just like you have car insurance, like you should care more about your body than you care about your car. It is important that you ensure that you have the access that has been kept from us for oh so long to take care. To take, uh, I'm so sorry. Like you, we really need to take advantage. <laughs> no, I, I can't. I don't know why. This hour is just on the popular. But yes, go to Affordable Care um, at go uh, to healthcare.gov and educate yourself on what it actually is that it's offering and how having healthcare insurance can help you get access to. (laughs) It's not going to stop. I'm sorry. You, you. I can't put another cord in the machine, so just don't keep ringing. But just keep, just go to healthcare.gov. Go to healthcare.gov. Educate yourself on how health insurance helps you have access to care. That's all I can say. Somebody's kind of trying to contact me. Listen, Dr. Kanisha Hall, thank you. I appreciate your time. Uh, okay. You know, we appreciate you know you sharing with us. Yeah, I, I just okay. like Instagram too. Active, at Dr. Commission. So y'all go follow. Okay. Us, some love and get some information. We appreciate you. Most definitely. Go answer your phone. Home radio. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we out.